All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to uh, Wednesday, dropping the gloves, episode two. Don't tell me, Tim, two thirty-nine, somewhere around there. I don't know. I don't. Know. I think. I think I'm close. Goodness gracious, we're close. We're drastically closing in on a thousand. Getting inching closer. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Tim? You look like a little worn out. You look a little worn yeah. out, Tim. Why? Tell me. Uh, just a long day. Just got out of hockey. It was uh, an hour and a half skate with. Gosh, probably 12 total forwards. It was a drop-in. So just, yeah, a couple uh, subs per side. But it was good. It was fun. We had two goalies, which is a plus. So it was fun. Drive your drive your new car there. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. I love Turn it. Turn those heated seats on. Sun Not today. Down. But oh it's one my. of those double-length sunroofs. It's like the whole length of the car almost. It doesn't go uh, my, all the way back, though, open. Yeah, it does. Like all the way? I think so. I don't know. Maybe not. Because I had that in my Honda Pilot, and the sunroof went back in the initial part, and then like a screen just opened up for the back. Anyways, no one cares about this. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We are the official podcast for HockeyFights.com. You like seeing guys getting punched in the face? Go to HockeyFights.com. You'll find lots of guys getting punched in the noggin. and if Including you. you. Certain, if you look up a certain fight, with me versus Colt Nor, you'll see guys getting punched right in the stomach. <laughs> drop into the ice and then getting punched in the face. Very fun. Very or fun. Or Justin Johnson, clean clocked you. Clean clocked? Oh, yeah. Cold cocked and cleaned my clock. <laughs> not, not clean clocked. I feel like I'm a TV character who just keeps getting all those sayings wrong. But I'm not doing it on purpose. Podcast character who just keeps butchering sayings. But it's okay. We still love you, Tim. Anyways, moving on to the NHL, the reason why everyone's listening to this, no one cares about our backstories. The Boston Bruins are up 3 nothing right now three? Without, nice. without the assistance of Jake DeBrusque. A very, well, I wouldn't call it a surprising healthy scratch. He's been putting up okay points for him lately. I think he's gotten two assists in his last handful of games, so... For Jake DeBrusque, who's only got 11 points on the season, two assists in the last few games are good. The coach came out, Bill Cassidy said, we're going to need a higher compete level. It's not about the individual stats. You need to help this team win. That's a whammy of a statement from the coach. 
Like that is not your usual, you know what? He's just, we want to give him a day to kind of sit back and watch. This will help his game, help him grow. That's a, taking you into your office, throwing you up against the wall and choking you out. Like we need you to be better. It's not about you. This is about the team. You're playing terrible. You're playing for yourself. And what that means when a coach says that is the coach lays out a system on the board at the beginning of training camp. You have to play this way. We're going to play this way every single game. Guys don't want to play that way because they like to, you know, leave the zone a little early. They want to get, get going on offense a little too early. They want to cheat in the, in the defensive zone. You're not getting in your lane. You're not getting in on the forecheck the right way. Instead of being the guy, the first on the forecheck, you're maybe easing up so you can be the third guy in. You're not doing the hard work things that you need to do to win consistently on a team in a team game you're more focused on okay how am I going to make this game easy for myself how am I going to maybe get in a better spot to score a goal even though I'm giving up a really really high-end opportunity on my back end those are the things Jake DeBrusque is doing and this is what Bruce Cassidy is alluding to a coach just doesn't come out and say this he has been harping on Jake DeBrusque for months about this. He's already healthy, scratched him once early in the season. DeBrus came back like a man on a mission after that one healthy scratch. He played great. And he scored a goal. The Bruins won 4 nothing. DeBrusque was all over the ice. He was insane to watch. Is it going to happen again? I don't know. This is a more aggressive call-up by the coach. They need this guy going in the playoffs, if you ask me. He, he's huge on their third line. When you take him off the third line, you insert Sean Curly, or no, Corrally. sorry, Nick, Nick Ritchie, Corrally. He makes their third line kind of set with him and Coyle and Corrally. That's a good third line, and you can keep Ritchie down on the fourth line. It just makes more sense to me, but DeBrusque has been a terrible player this season. I don't think there's any way around this. He's, he's had glimpse of, glimpses, one or two games here and there. He's played 34 games. When you only have two or three or four good games and you have – over 30 games where you're average or below, that's, it's a huge problem. I know, Tim, you're the Bruins guy. When I told you DeBrusque was a healthy scratch, you said, wow, with lots of O's. What's your reaction? What's your thought? What's Bruins Nation thinking right now? I think I said wowzers, something like that. But, yeah, same something, thing. Something cool. <laughs> <laughs> something very cool. Um, yeah, well, you, you nailed that you covered all that. I'm not going to repeat it all, but for me, it's like a two-pronged thing. He's not producing much. I think he's put up like 11 or 12 points this year, um, which is just not nearly what they need from him. But on the flip side of that, it's also not passing the eye test. You know, He's not backtrack. He's not creating chances. He's not hustling in the way that you want him to see because he can be a pretty – I mean, he's not a grinder or anything, but he can be a hard-nosed player. He, he plays hard when he's on his game, and he's, play, he's tough to play against, but we just haven't seen that from him. And I think you're right. Like, they're going to need him in the playoffs. He scored some big goals in the last couple of years in the playoffs. And he, <clears throat> I remember because he celebrates so hard. He, he just, he, you know, he plays his heart on his sleeve when he's, when he's striving, but obviously he hasn't been that lately. And if you remember this conversation, go back a couple of months, he signed a bridge deal. He signed a two year deal. Like just like we talked about last week, bet on himself. He's like, you know what? I, I, I want to prove that I can, you know, take that next step. I want to prove I can be the player you expect me to be. And so far he just hasn't done it. And the more and more this goes on, I mean, obviously the trade down line has passed, but I have to wonder if, if he's playing his way out of Boston, um, if falling out of favor a little bit with the coach, like we've seen, and maybe out of management too, especially now that you've got 
Taylor Hall, that you've got Nick Ritchie having a great year when you didn't think you were going to get much from him. And, uh, and Craig Smith is really slotted in on that second line. So Debrusque is the odd man out. And especially if you want to go with that grit and physical play from their, your fourth line, Trent Frederick played for Debrusque tonight. He's a solid player. He's an NHL player. He'll drop the gloves. He plays physical. He'll score now and then. So, yeah, Debrusque is right now on the outside looking in. Hopefully, like you said – being called out like this, watching from the 12th level or whatever it is, I think hopefully he'll be able to use that to motivate himself and, to, and you know, up his game when he, when he returns. But I just I haven't liked what I've seen from him this year. Yeah, there's only so many times as a coach you can do this tactic. It, a, it might work again. He plays good for a, a few games, but then he just falls back into his old habits. And it's, it's hard for a player to change who they are. You can you can change for a few games. You can maybe you know try hard. I'm really gonna get in that shot that that lane. I'm really gonna back check. I'm really gonna finish my checks. That's hard. That's easy to do for a few games, but it it's hard to do over your career. It's hard to do th- throughout a season if that's who you are. So you have these habits, and this is how kids are taught to play hockey these days. And this is this is. Gosh, I see it so more often than not. Unless you're an uber-skilled player, you can't play this way. And that's this is the hard thing for Jake DeBrus to kind of swallow. He's always probably been the guy on his team, the offensive guy. When you needed a goal, you went to DeBrusque. When you needed something to happen, you always – and he struggled in the NHL because of that. And, and until he kind of wraps his head around the type of NHL player he needs to be, he's not going to succeed. He's still young. You know, he, he has a lot of runway ahead of him where he could develop into a really, really great power forward. But the illusions of him being a first liner or a second liner, he, he needs to get rid of that. He needs to embrace himself as a third line guy. Go out there, play 12 to 14 minutes, bang your body, pump in a goal every couple games, be responsible defensively. That's the biggest thing. You can't be a, a, a problem out there for your coach he can't be worrying about you and he hasn't figured that out yet so we'll see what happens a lot of teams would take a take a flyer on a jake debrusque he's a big body who can skate like lightning he has an offensive upside a lot of teams would like to get their hands on him so i don't see the bruins giving up on him just yet because there's something there I, i brian bickle friend of the show he had the same issue where he just had so much raw talent. He was a big dude, heck of a shot, just kind of not as responsible as you want a player to be on the ice, kind of just floating around out there a little bit. But if you get Bix in the right mindset and you saw it in a couple of playoff runs with the Hawks, man, is he a dangerous player. But if he's not in that mindset and he's just kind of you know, floating around, not playing that physical, intense type game, he's just he just vanishes off the ice and he just – you notice him for all the bad reasons and Jake's in that position now. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if he'll answer the bell. They're going to get him back in the lineup. They need him going if they have any chance of winning the Stanley cup. And that's, that's where their mindset is. They're, they're going for the cup. So if he's not in the lineup, they're a good team. If he is in the lineup and he's, you know, clicking, they're a really, really good team because he just, he helps that third line. And that's been their problem of late. Their first line has been great. Their second line's coming together. Their third and fourth line have been invisible. They haven't gotten any offensive offense from them. Tonight's game, Lazar's picked up a couple points. Taylor Hall scored again. So they're getting a little more balanced today. They've scored three goals. I think three lines have gotten those goals. So we will see where this progresses. 
Moving on. We had a, we jumped the gun a little bit on Cole Caulfield's debut. Um, we did the whole shtick with the number and this and that. He played last night, Tim. He got about 10, 10 11. Did you see any of his uh, highlights or anything like that? No. All I, yeah, all I saw was his, uh, his uh, solo lap without the helmet on. Um, did, did you see that? Yeah, that's just – that's old shtick. I don't even like it anymore. I don't know. You know what is more surprising is the Canadians have a big rule where they have to wear the helmets for warm-ups, or they did when I was there. I don't know if that's all of a sudden gone. He when, said, I played, when I played my one game there, I tried to go out for warm-ups with no bucket on, and <laughs> someone came up and like, you can't do that. You got to wear a helmet. I was like, hey, this is my last game ever. I'm going to you know, not wear a helmet. Like, you got to wear a helmet. It's a team rule. I was like, all right, you guys are squares. So I put a helmet on. But, uh, yeah. But anyways, what did he say? They hit his helmet. Yeah. It's so cool. He's got a good head of hair. You know, if, if you have a head of hair like that, you have to do it. But anyways, he played okay. You know, not, not remarkable. He, he, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because, you know, I don't think Montreal is going anywhere this year. I honestly think they're going to miss the playoffs. They had a big win in Calgary last night, but here's hoping Vancouver gets their act together and they beat uh, beat a couple teams and they make it interesting. But he's a good player. You know, for his first game, he handled himself well. He's like a water bug out there. He's just beetling around. One thing I noticed, he took a lot of shots from the goal line. He t- I, I, I counted three. There might have been four where he's just – about to go around the net in the offensive zone, he just fires it on net. You know, one of them worked out. The puck squirted out right in the middle, almost uh, had a goal. Uh, I don't know who it was, but, yeah, he got a scoring chance out of it. But I don't know. It's a good play sometimes. I just thought that was interesting. He had three or four sh- shots just from the goal line. So I, I think he'll be successful. I feel bad for him. The amount of pressure that's on this kid in Montreal is is insane. Like, they – the the media is just frothing at the mouth over this kid. They've been waiting for his debut. There's been so much anticipation. And I, I hope he's able to withstand that pressure because you don't deserve that as a young kid stepping into this type of situation. You know, he's coming from a college environment where you play two games a week and then the other five days are completely anonymous to everybody, to thousands and thousands of people. So he's going to walk into Montreal. He's going to get noticed out in the, the streets and there's going to be media all over him. And I don't know. Hopefully he does, does well. Any thoughts on that? Well, how does the media in Montreal compare to Toronto? Um, very similar. Montreal is more personal. Like they, 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 they're at the hotel. They, they're following you around. Toronto's just more business. Like I think Toronto's just a bigger city. There's more going on. Montreal, it's like they live and breathe the Montreal Canadiens. You know, Toronto has the Raptors. They have the Blue Jays. They have the Leafs. They have the Argonauts, which you know is a lesser. They have that soccer team. So there's more going on in Toronto. Montreal, it's like look Canadien. Look, Canadian. That's it. They have like 17 radio shows devoted for the Canadians. They have like five TV shows. Just all they do is focus on the Canadians. <gasps> PK Subban had a strawberry shake for lunch. He only ever gets raspberries. So it's just really intense over there. Anything else you want to add, Cole? Cole Coffee? No, hope he does well. Hope he does well. He's, he's, uh, he's really carrying on the number 22 good. He had no points. Go good for him. <laughs> all right, moving on. The the chase for 100 points, Tim, we said this at the beginning of the season, any outrageous predictions, and I believe one of our predictions was Connor McDavid gets 100 points. You know, fast forward 48, 46 games, he's got 81 points. He's got 81 points in 46 games. That's 1.76 points per game. 
He's got 10 games left. He needs to get 19 points in 10 games. I'm not a math guy, but that's a little under two points a game. He plays Vancouver twice. He's got eight points versus Vancouver. He didn't get any points versus them his first game. So if you throw out that game, he's got eight points in four games. I'm not a math guy, but eight points in four games is two points a game. If he gets 10 points in those five games, we're on to something. He had four points last night. The guy is an absolute dynamo on the ice. He can light it up for five points on any given night. That's just like a a walk in the park for him. Is there any chance he gets 100 points? Well, uh, there is a chance, but do you think he'll get it? I'm going to say, yeah, only because I want him to. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to root for. He's, at, he's on pace for, I think the number today was like 98.6, if you do the math, which is rounded up to 99, and it's just like it's just right there. So um, I hope he does. Yeah, I mean, that, imagine just the storyline. It's just like even Gretzky said he was once in a generational, once in a lifetime player, Gretzky said. That's the, that's the term he used, which is kind of crazy coming from him. Um, and they asked Connor McDavid yet last night when he, I think he had four or five points last night. They asked him what scoring a hundred goal, a hundred points this year would mean to him. And he said, not much. So he's not thinking about it. Or at least he's saying he doesn't, but which is what the answer you want from these guys. Right. But I think he will, I hope he does. And uh, like you said, he's got the schedule in his favor, but two points a game for, for 10 games is, I mean, if, if, any, if anyone can do it, it's him. I agree. And to just put this in perspective, if this is a a full 82 game season, it's 145 points. So it's a lot of points. Like he's playing really well in a very strange situation this season. Maybe he's having the benefit of saying this, seeing the same defensemen and goalies night in and night out. Like, who knows? Maybe that's a detriment to him because teams are, are used to him. They're game planning against him. You know you have to play Edmonton 10 times this year. We have to figure out how to play against Connor McDavid. I think the latter is probably true where teams are focusing on McDavid. We're going to play him so many times. We've got to figure out how to, how to shut this guy down. They haven't done it. It's very exciting. I think he comes up short. I'm a pessimist. That's how I live my life. It's very depressing. Uh, I think he gets 97, just like his number, just like Sid the Kid signed for $8.7 million. <laughs> Everything is just the same. 97 points. You can write it down. That's my prediction. It's going to happen. His teammate, speaking of scoring, just set a record for a whole country, Tim. <clears throat> not, not, a, not a province, not a state, not a, a little air, a whole country. Leon Dreinseidel. Let's try again. Has, he has scored more points in German history than anybody. Anybody. And he's only 25 years old. He just passed Marco Sturm, who had 487. Is, uh, is this even news? I, th- I don't know. You told me this today. I, th- I think it's really neat that this kid who's only 25, and Germany is not a small country. Mind you, they don't have the hockey history that other countries do, the Swedens, the Finlands, the Russias, the USAs, the Canadas of the world, but it's not Japan. You know, they got, they've, they've had some decent players. I've played with a good couple good German. Jochen Hecht comes to mind. Christian Erhoff comes to mind. Alexander Salsa comes to mind. But none of them can even hold a candle to Leon Dreinseidel. So is this... News or are we just blowing, you know, smoke up people's behinds? 
I think, first of all, I, you should just take 10 minutes every day and just say dry sidle in the mirror until you get it right every time. That's what second I of all, <laughs> Second of all, uh, I think it is pretty cool. I mean, I saw that stat last night and I kind of like, oh, that can't be true. Because, I mean, I know, like, like, like you said, Germany hasn't pumped out NHL superstars left and right or anything, but they've had some good players. And Marco Sturm was a good player in this league who played for a long time. He retired at like 36 or something. But the fact that Dreisaitl has beaten his record at, at 25 years old, and Dreisaitl's only been in the league for like four years, maybe five. So he wasn't like 18 when he broke in. So it's just absolutely crazy um, and just a testament to how good he is and how well you know he gels with Connor McDavid, how good their chemistry is. And I, I'm curious to know like if, if and when they're on different teams, how, how they shake out, how Dreisaitl does when he's the guy – without lines, you know, matching against McDavid because they skate on separate lines most of the time. Um, I'd be curious to know how that works out, but, you know, not, not a knock against him or anything. But, yeah, good for him, pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we see – I mean, there's some other good German players in the league right now. That Cahoon kid also on Edmonton, um, he's probably like eight or nine. I was looking at the rankings in German points, and he's a young kid too. Um, so, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, hope he, I hope he continues that. He will be the best German player ever in the history of German players. That's my Probably. prediction. In my lifetime, I, I, I plan on living a long time. I'll never see a German player better than Leon. <laughs> can say Leon, forward, right? Forward from Edmonton. I can't do it. I don't know what it is. Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl. Um, okay. So we, we have fan interactions, and I was um, talking about millennials the other day how I think, you know, millennials are just a little soft, and I think you might fall in that category, Tim. One of our fans, I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name, Tim? No, he, nice email. He, nice email said, I just listened to the episode. I think it was Grant or Mark or something like that. Bobby. Anyways, we love fan interaction. Very, very appreciated. He did a Wikipedia search, which is always a re- reliable and right, apparently. <laughs> apparently, I'm a millennial. The cutoff is 1980, apparently, but I, yeah. I'm not buying it. I feel like Canada is always five years behind, so <laughs> I'm not a millennial. I think I'm, I'm not there. I, I don't, I don't uh, drink from the fountain of millennials, you could say. You don't I identify don't as a millennial? I identify as John Scott. My kids love singing that intro song, by the way. It's funny. We'll be in the house and they'll be like, play the John Scott song. I'm like, you got it. (laughs) But anyways, no, I just thought it was funny. Thank you for uh, writing in Mark Grant or Grant or Ryan, whatever your name was. Uh, I still don't think I'm a millennial. I still think Tim is a little soft. I I still think most millennials, not all of them. Most of them are a little soft. But anyways, moving on. The playoffs are around the corner, Tim. And I have this problem with my parents because they haven't seen my, my new baby yet. She's eight months going on nine months old. She's gorgeous. You know, apple of my eye, Eleanor, Agatha, I picked it out. Pretty stellar name, if you ask me. It's hard to pick out names when you have six girls because you run through the good ones that you really like with the first three kids. And then the last three, like, boy, oh, boy, like, we really got to scrape the bottom of the barrel. So we've come up with some really (laughs) good names, Eleanor, Agatha. Anyways, my parents haven't seen her, and they can't come over because the border issues. They have to quarantine. They have to go through all these checks. There's just – there's a lot of – hoops there's a lot of hurdles to jump over and they just can't do it this issue is carrying over to the nhl we saw it at the trade deadline the canadian border p 
people. They were kind enough to drop the 14-day quarantine to seven days. That was a nice little gesture. But since then, COVID has apparently um, ramped up in Canada, and they're, they're getting another wave. And this isn't surfing, baby. They don't like the waves. So there's been some talk that the borders might not open up until midsummer, if not later. The playoffs are going to be in the semifinals in June, early June. So if, if you're – we'll just take the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's who everyone thinks they're going to, you know, make it out of the north. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you can't travel to the States without quarantining, what do you do? It's a very strange situation because at this point, it's not a safety issue in my mind. It's more of an optics thing where the Canadian government doesn't want teams flying in and out when they've just been like, we're not going to let anybody in because we're being super safe. So for them to be like, you know, or we can just let this one hockey team in because we really like hockey and that's our, our national pastime. So it's more of a, a, an optics situation over a public health because these teams have private jets, private buses, private hotels, private everything. Everybody's going to be tested every day. It's not an issue of like spreading the virus all over Canada. It's more of like, Oh, it just looks bad in the media. That's what I think. So what do you, I don't know, Tim, I'm kind of dropping this on you at the last minute. What do you think the answer is? If the borders locked down and there's a seven to 14 day quarantine, what do you do? What's the answer? What I think they should do, <clears throat> because if you if you play the series and then and Toronto and so you want to play two rounds in Canada, right? In in, the, in that within the division, and then Toronto so, so, uh, supposedly Toronto has to wait. Imagine like a waiting like three or four weeks before they can play, right? If they have to come down to play to the states. For the next no round, quarantine coming into the states. It's just going to Canada. Oh, then what's so, the problem? Well, because you would want to play home games in Canada. If this is a playoff, she would go two, two, one, one, and one to have I, any sort of uh, any sort of home field advantage. So that's the issue. And I've I've heard rumblings of well, they'll just just say Toronto has to play Colorado. Would you play every game in Colorado because there's no fans allowed at the stands? Would they go take over San Jose's rink and and play out of San Jose? Would they just you know hole up shop in Buffalo and that's their rink? because it's right near Toronto. What I don't know what the answer or is. I hope play, – or go ahead. Just play all seven in a neutral site? Is that what you're talking about? Well, no, because that's not fair to Colorado. If, if in this instance yeah, Colorado but, wins the West. It, it's not yeah, Colorado's but it's, fault that Canada's being a wiener and they don't sure. get it. Like, I don't even the odds. Both teams. You can't penalize both teams for one country just not getting it, not being cool like the USA. Um I, I hope this doesn't come to fruition. I hope um, Trudeau just gets out of his own way. He didn't do it with the OHL. They never even got a season. He barely let the trade deadline guys in. You know, they still had to sit out for seven days. I just hope that they just uh, – I can just imagine the Toronto Maple Leafs somehow win the Stanley Cup and they're celebrating in Buffalo. <laughs> or they're celebrating in somewhere else at their home ice. And they don't even get to celebrate in Canada because even if they would go back to Canada, they would still have to quarantine for seven days. And so they would be stuck in their individual houses. So they're not going to go back to Canada. It just is like a disaster written all over it. When you see the Maple Leafs 
going down to Florida because there's no COVID in Florida anymore, apparently. And they're partying in Florida. It just, it's, it would be bad. It would be bad. Or it's just Austin Matthews drinking out of the cup in Texas or something. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it, I don't think Toronto's going to win the cup, but if it does, it's just going to be strange. I know they're talking to the Canadian government right now. They're trying to figure something out, but I don't know. This is, it's getting closer. There's less than 10 games left. The playoffs are going to go quick. It's going to be done like that, and then you're going to be in the third round. These teams are going to be flying around everywhere. They better get a plan in place because the deadline was a thing that everyone knew about, and they didn't really do too much with that. They gave them a seven-day kind of buffer, but I don't know. Hopefully they figure it out. Hopefully Bill Daly and what's the commissioner's name? Gary Bettman can talk to Justin Trudeau and whoever they have to talk to to get this sorted out, Tim. All right. Is there anything else? There's one more thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know if you wanted to. There was a playoffs, but we can wait until the next episode. Whatever you want, John. It's your show. You're damn right it is. Okay. I was looking at the standings and I thought I saw something interesting. So in the division with the Dallas Stars and Nashville Predators, I think that's the Metro division. I don't care, the Central, whatever. Um, Dallas is in fifth. Nashville is in fourth. Dallas is a few points behind Nashville. They have a game in hand, so they're very much in this. When I was looking at their standings, the Dallas Stars have lost 12 overtime and shootout games. That is by far the most in the NHL. Wow. I don't know what the next closest team – don't say – I told you this earlier today. Don't act surprised, Tim. But <laughs> – I'm emphasizing your point. Wowzers. Wowzers. <laughs> but doesn't that strike you as insane that the Dallas Stars, they're 3-6 and six in overtime, they're 2-6 and six in shootouts, they're leaving tw- – not that they're going to win all of these – but if you win half of those, they're leaving six points on the table. That easily vaults them in front of the Nashville Predators, who, in contrast, are 5-0 and in the shootout and 3-0 and in overtime. So they are overachieving in those scenarios. And is, I don't know, if, you, if you're the Dallas Stars at the end of the season and you messed up by one point and you did that because you didn't have a shootout specialist, does it force you into the offseason to go and get someone who's just really good at shootouts? even though if he's a bad player, like has the NHL came to that point to where there's so many games that go to overtime. There's so many games that go to shootouts that you have one guy on your team, even though he's a subpar five on five player, he's a heck of a shootout player. Is there a need for a specialist in the NHL for a shootout type player? Well, how many are there in the league right now? Like, Zero, is- I would imagine. Oshi. Oshi, but he's an excellent player. I don't yeah. think there's anybody who's like a subpar player who's just a heck of a shootout guy. Like someone who's like a in the AHL and he's like 70%. And you <coughs> Rob Shrimp, remember him? Oh, yeah, I do. Remember Death Hands on Shrimp? that guy. Basketball player, German. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, is there a shootout? Is there a spot for a guy who's a shootout specialist? That's my question for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, not on every team, but like Dallas is going to look. I hope they look at this and be like, you know what? Even one or two more of those games, we just, one or two more points, right? It's just going to be in a playoff race or like this is going to be just critically important. So maybe, yeah, especially if it's a copycat league, if one team does it, maybe a couple others do. I don't think most teams like Vegas and Tampa are never going to be like, hey, you know what? We really need a shootout guy because they, they have those guys on their team and they don't really need the points anyway. So I could see that being a thing, but I just don't know how many guys are – 
how many guys are available that can do that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it'll be a thing, but it's it's something to to keep an eye on. You know what's a bummer? My fantasy league. I started Tuka Rask. The Penguins scored with like two minutes left to, to win. They lost three to one. It's so annoying. I could have had a shutout. We're in the playoffs now, Tim. You didn't even make the playoffs. I got a first round bye. I did not start the Washington Capitals goalie, Vili Vanacek, and he got a shutout. You know what I mean? It's just bad management. What are you going to do? I still got to win, but overall, not, not going to go to sleep a happy man. But I hope all my listeners are. We're really happy you guys joined us. Stick around. We're going to have an interview this next episode. Brandon Pruss coming in, former teammate of mine with the New York Rangers. We'll see what he's up to. I heard his – is he famous? Or I don't know what's going on with him now. He, he's got a lot going on. Well, we'll talk to Brandon. We'll get some insight on the Montreal Canadiens, what he's been up to, the state of hockey. All right, Tim. Sign us off. Good night, everybody. Ah, oh, goosebumps. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 